the last week we had so much fun talking about adultery. This week we're going to talk about divorce. I've mentioned that we're going verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount. This is a teaching that Jesus Christ had for his disciples. He took them away from the multitudes, went up on the mountain, he gave them this teaching. We don't know how long he was up there, but he started in chapter 5 and doesn't come down from the mountain until chapter number 8. So we don't know exactly how long this took, if it was all one continuous teaching or if it was just put together that way. But nevertheless, what we have here is we have some very intense teachings. And a lot of these teachings people like to skip over because they're uncomfortable and they're difficult, like adultery, like divorce. But God wouldn't have given it to us unless it was valuable to us unless it was helpful to us. And when he gives us teachings, we need to understand. So we're going to look in Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 31. It says, It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. So he talk, starts out talking about adultery, and then now he's, he's coming into the topic of divorce. There was two schools of thoughts back in this, or two schools of teaching. You had the, the, the Shammai teaching, and you had the Hillel teaching. And the Shammai, and, and the they, they took their teaching, actually, from the, the verse that Jesus is referencing here back in Deuteronomy. Actually, let's turn to Deuteronomy and look at that. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 24 real quick. Keep your finger in Matthew, because we'll be right back there. Deuteronomy, all the way back. We're going to be in chapter number 24. When you get there, say amen. It's almost at the beginning of the Bible. It's one of the one of the, the, the five books of the Torah, one of the five books that, that Moses wrote. Deuteronomy chapter number 24. And this is what Jesus is referencing where he says, you've, been, you've heard, you've been told. And then the two schools of thought we, we're going to look at. Starts off in verse number one of chapter 24. It says, when a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he hath found some uncleanness in her. There's the phrase right there. Because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. So that's the verse that Jesus is referencing. And this is the verse where these two schools of thought become very, very different. The Shammai version of this felt that that this this some uncleanness specifically meant adultery, whereas the Hillel version or the Hillel teaching meant uncleanness meant any type of sin or anything that the husband found disfavor with. So for any reason, the husband could just say, "You know what? I don't want to be married to you anymore. Here's your divorcement." Now, where the culture had gone at this time was to which teaching do you think? The one that the husband could just get rid of his wife any time. And you say, well, that's a, that's a silly thing to do, but that's where our culture is today. Today, people, people look at marriage as just being something that's disposable. I don't like the way you cut your hair. You, you got too fat. 
whatever, whatever it is, and I don't want to be with you. And then they, they utter the most foolish phrase in the world, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. You ever heard that? I always want to slap somebody when I hear somebody say that. I, I try not to slap people in marriage counseling, but that one comes up and it's like so close because that's the dumbest phrase in the world. It becomes very, very disposable. And there's a problem with that. There's a problem with this disposable type of marriage. Why? Because divorce hurts. And divorce hurts the people that are being divorced, and it hurts other people as well. And so Jesus is trying to rein them back in a little bit here. He's trying to rein them back in and say, you know what? We can't go with this disposable marriage type thing. Marriage is a picture Marriage is a picture. The, the husband-wife relationship is a picture of our relationship as the church with Jesus Christ. And when Christians in particular, when we look at marriage as being something that's just disposable for any reason, we are doing a disservice to the, to the world in the picture that we're painting of Jesus Christ and his church. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ just dumped the church every time we did something wrong? We wouldn't make it through a week. We wouldn't make it through a day. As a group, we're a horrible bunch of people, and I'm talking to the church worldwide. We're a horrible bunch of people compared to our groom. Yet he stays faithful to his promise. He stays faithful to us. So he's trying to paint this picture here, and there's a reason why divorce was, why the law was against divorce, why Jesus Christ was, was against divorce. One, first and foremost, is to protect the family. You see, divorce, when, when two people break up, it's not just about them. Particularly in this day and age, when a divorce took place, oftentimes the woman was left without any financial support. The children were left without any financial support. So it didn't just separate two people, it destroyed a family. In Mark chapter 10, verses 6 and 9, you don't have to turn there, but you can jot that down and look at it. It says, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then when they are no more twain, but one flesh, what therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Do you see the picture of a marriage? When a husband and wife come together, they're not two people anymore. They're one person now. And when you try and take one person and pull them apart, it causes a lot of damage. This is what happens to both parties in a divorce. Neither party is made better by divorce. They're both left damaged. Jesus Christ loves us too much to see us get damaged. And then, and then where we have serial divorcement in this country, this person is being damaged over and over and over again. Let me ask you parents, do you like to see your kids hurt? Do you like to see them physically hurt, mentally hurt, spiritually hurt? Of course not. Why would God be any different? He doesn't want to see us going through this pain. So it protects the family. It also protects the, nat the nation. It protects the land. The, the children of Israel were a picture here, but this goes for any people group. It protects the nation because the more unrighteous the people become, the more unrighteous the nation becomes. You wonder why we have dysfunction in Washington? Because we're all dysfunctional, and they're our representatives. They are representatives of our dysfunction, and we wonder, why do they act the way they act? Because they're just like us. They're dysfunctional. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalteth the nation, 
But sin is a reproach to any people. This isn't just about the Jews. This is any people. As we embrace sin in this country, our country gets weaker. And it doesn't matter what that sin is. Here we're talking about divorce. Here we're talking about relationships. But it can be anything. Look at the sins in our country that we exalt in our country. We exalt and put on a pedal alcoholism. One of the most destructive things that you can do to a family or do to a person is put, is put alcohol into their body. And we put it on a pedestal. We celebrate it at football games. We celebrate it on TV. We celebrate it all over. Let's get together and have a beer. Our, our, one of our recent presidents would have his beer summits where he'd invite everybody, come on, let's all get drunk and set our, set our differences aside. And nothing got better. Everything got worse when he was president. And we've continued to get worse and worse and worse. What about drugs? We've exalted drugs to where now, now things that, that used to cause problems are just, you know, it's just, just, just recreational relaxation. Because we've exalted them. We've exalted, we've exalted fornication and adultery. We talked a little bit about this last week. We've exalted that to, to where we, 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 we judge people's bodies and we desire people's bodies. And we've lifted it up. We have parades for our sins. We have coming out parties for our sins. We have pride events for our sins. And we wonder why our nation is steadily declining. We exalt sin at every turn. Every turn. Whatever the Bible says is wrong, we take it and place it up on a pedestal, and we have a party about it. We wonder why. And divorce is no different. From the times a couple gets married, there are people that are pushing into their relationship, wanting them to get divorced, wanting them to dump the other person. Why? Because misery loves company, I guess. They're miserable people, and they want you to be miserable too. You gotta, those kind of people, you got to push away. Whether it's friends, family, or whatever, if they're being a destructive influence in your family, you got to put them away. They can't be around you. You, you can still be family with them, and you can kind of be friends, but they got to stay away. You, gotta, you can't let them that close into your house. You got to give them some distance. And what Jesus is doing here, he's not trying to make it hard for us. He's trying to protect us. He's trying to keep us from getting hurt. But as we all know as parents, we can't always do that 100%, can we? We can't always keep, keep people from getting hurt. One, another thing is it keeps the person from becoming an adulterer themselves. If you're in a marriage and, and your spouse is, is, is uh, unfaithful to you, it can cause you to become unfaithful as well. So back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31, it says that it has been said, whatsoever shall ever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But, in verse 32, I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. So here's the real meaning of the law and what is disavowed. Enormous protections are seen in this pronouncement. There's the protection of the family, 
the wife, of the husband, protection for the children. There's protection for, for emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual needs. These things are protected. They're protected from the family being ripped apart at the seams by these two staying together and working out their differences. Divorces touch so many. A lot of people say, well, divorce is just between the husband and the wife, but it's not, is it? When your parents get divorced, it affects you. It changes you. When your brothers and sisters get divorced, it affects you. When your friends get divorced, it affects you. It's the, the dropping of a rock into the pond. It doesn't just affect the water that it touches, but it ripples out and it affects everyone around them. It affects each person it touches, sometimes very, very deeply. It breaks the hearts of those that love you when they see you going through the pain. It breaks the hearts of those around you. And somebody will always say, well, well what, about, what about a situation where the, where the husband's abusive or, or this is, is a problem? And, and I understand, a woman should never, and a man for that matter, should never stay in a relationship where, where they're being abused. But that doesn't always mean divorce. Through the, the blood of Jesus Christ, people change. He has changed people a lot more than just an abuser. He's taken the drink out of the hand of the alcoholic. He's taken the needle out of the arm of the, of the, of the, the drug user. And he can soften the heart of an abuser. That doesn't mean you, you stay in the same household, but you don't necessarily give up on the person. Keep in mind, you picked that person. You saw the red flags. You chose to get a fixer-upper. And I'm not blaming the victim by any means, but if you're going to get a fixer-upper, understand there's going to be a lot of work. Sometimes the fixer-upper, you can't live in the house while you're fixing it up sometimes. Sometimes you've got to be someplace else. Sometimes you have to have a professional come in and work on that fixer-upper. Quite often you do. But we're so quick to just dispose in this country. Everything is disposable, including our relationships. And this is what Jesus Christ is trying to prevent us. He's not trying to make it difficult. He's not, he's not even trying to be judgy here. Although he's the one that has the authority to judge, he's trying to help. There was a time where divorce was almost unheard of, even in our country. The last 30, 40 years, it's just been disposable. I'm guilty of this. Just like many of you in the room, this is uncomfortable for me. V is not my first wife. Shock and awe? Anybody? Nobody? Shock and awe? I'm guilty. And it hurt people. It hurt lots of people. It hurt children. It hurt me. It affects us all so deeply. Divorce drastically changes us. We're not the same person we were after a divorce. It, it affects us. It hurts us. We're not the, the same employee that we were. We're not the same child that we were. We're not the same person in a relationship. And very rarely are we better as a result. We're almost always worse because now we're damaged. We've been ripped apart. Because divorce affects human life so much, it's a, it's a critical concern for Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
But that's not all he did. That was, his, that was number one. That was his primary. Was to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. And many of the problems in marriages today is because we have people trying to enter into a covenant with God or, or as our society says, a contract with each other. But they're trying to do this without God. God is the one that created marriage. God is the one that instituted marriage. And when you try and go into a marriage without God, it's a sham to begin with. You're, you're asking for a problem. It's like buying a car but never learning how to drive, never getting your license. We're just asking for trouble to take place. God instituted marriage, and God should be the center of a marriage. Because a marriage isn't a contract between two people. No matter what you've been told, it isn't. It's a covenant with God. And when we enter into a covenant with God, we have to understand that even when things aren't enjoyable, even when things are less than desirable, we're not, our contract isn't with that other person. Because that person is us now. We are one flesh. We are in a contract with God. And if we begin to view that a divorcement isn't just the breaking up of two people, but it's the violation of a covenant with God, maybe we take it a little more seriously. I know half the room's not coming back next week. I'm okay with that. We preach the gospel. We preach everything in the word of God, no matter how uncomfortable it is. It's uncomfortable to me. I'll be here. He gives us one basis. Technically, there's two basis for ending a marriage. Did you know that? One of them he gives right here. What is that? Unfaithfulness, adultery. We talked about that last week, fornication. But just because it takes place doesn't mean that marriage has to end. More often than not, a marriage can actually survive that. But that's one. Does anybody know what the other one is? No, money has nothing to do with it. What's the other basis that the, for, for ending a marriage in the Bible? What is it? Death. Death. So you can kill your... No, don't. No, because then, then murder, then you're right back into that. That's the same verse with adultery. You're right back in that same verse. So it's not... No, it doesn't work out that way either. Don't, don't kill anybody. If you, if you do, don't tell them I told you to. They'll sit me down across the table. I'll start confessing. I took the Lindbergh baby. You know, all these different things that I never even, I wasn't even alive for. I'll just start confessing to everything. Yeah, two things. Death and adultery. We talked about adultery last week. We talked about how serious it was. If you missed that, you back and take a look at it or listen to it on the podcast. But again, why was adultery so bad? Because we're in a covenant with God and we're bringing in a person that's not part of that covenant into that, into that situation. It damages the image that God has of his church and his relationship with Jesus and our relationship with Jesus Christ. It damages that. So it gives us a, a grounds there. So if the, if the spouse is unfaithful and doesn't desire reconciliation, there's no chance for reconciliation. Jesus has created a way that gets us out of that situation. Gets us out of it. And notice what it says, and this causes a lot of people some, some concern, but, but you have to understand what's being said here in, in, back in Matthew. He says, but I say unto you, the last part of 32, 
actually, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of abortion, uh, or abortion, <laughs> fornication, it's another one of the sins we put on a pedestal, uh, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. So they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So if I get divorced and, and I get remarried, am I having a, uh, am I, am I an adulteress? It's not what it says, is it? Except in the situation of fornication. So what does this mean? You've got to kind of sort this through with me real quick. And it's, it's simple in my mind, but it's hard for me to explain it. And I'm not sure why it's hard to explain it. So Jackie and Danny are married. They really are. Jackie finds out that Danny's being unfaithful. And she's like, okay, this is a big deal, but it's not in the end of the marriage. We're going to work through this because you love him so much. We're going to work through this. There may be some bloodshed. There may be some separate households. He may lose some body parts, but, but we're going to work through this. And then Danny's like, you know what? I don't want to work through this. I don't want to work through it. And it talks about men and women and the men being the lead here, but she can give him the divorcement, and now she's free because she did her part. It's not adultery for her to move on, but it is for him. And whoever chooses to be with him is an adulterer as well. Let that sink in. Pick your mates carefully. Know your mate's history. He's the one that violated the covenant with God. She tried to work it out. She's set free. She can move on with her life. He can't. He's an adulterer. Quiet in here right now. Really quiet in here right now. And it goes the other way around. It goes the other way around. Know who you're getting involved with. Choose your mates carefully. Because it has lasting consequences. Now Danny can go out and get married again, but you know what? The marriage is going to suffer. Marriage is going to suffer. Because he's never going to be right with God until he's ready to repent and try and restore the relationship. Understand, divorce is never God's purpose for a marriage. Never. This is silent here, but it's clearly understood. And divorce is allowed only if one of the spouses has committed adultery. Biblically. And when we try to, when we try to have that and we try to re- uh, redefine what that uncleanliness was, that uncleanness in Deuteronomy 24. When we try and redefine that, we're not changing the scripture. We're not rationalizing our bad behavior in an effective way. We're doing it in an ineffective way. And even if we rationalize it, we're still guilty. We're still guilty. You get pulled over doing 100 miles an hour through a school zone. The cop pulls you over and you say, well, I'm late for work. Well, that's an excuse, right? But it's not going to get you out of the ticket, is it? But we can try and rationalize it, that this is important. And we can even rationalize even more. If I don't know how to work on time, I'm going to get fired. I'm not going to be able to provide for my family. So this big picture thing we're saying, you know, and all these things we can rationalize, 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 but it doesn't change the law. And we can try and rationalize divorce all we want. But it doesn't change the law of God. 
Again, this isn't, this isn't something Christ is giving us. This isn't something Christ is clarifying because he wants to hurt us. He's doing it for the exact opposite. He wants to protect us. He wants to protect us. Christ is trying to prevent what history shows. Societies have tragically ignored the commands of God. And when society ignores the commands of God, whether it be divorcement or any other sinful behavior, when we ignore the commands of God, society crumbles. Almost every great society that ever existed on this earth, whether it was the the Roman Empire or Greece or Byzantine, whoever it was, we see that their greatness started to crumble as the, the morals of society started to crumble and to where they are nothing anymore. And if God doesn't come back quick, which I think he is, but I don't, I don't pretend to know the, the complete timing of God because the Bible tells me that nobody knows, but if God doesn't come back soon and our morals in this country continue to degrade, you know what's going to happen? America on the, on the national, on the international stage will continue to degrade. We're there. We are right on that cusp right now. For how long have we lived and the dollar has been the almighty across this country, across this world? You could go into any country and and the banks were excited to get your dollars. That's changing. A lot of places prefer euros now. A lot of places prefer Chinese currency. They'd rather have that than dollars. Why? It's not about economics. It's about morality. Now, the great thing is, is that, well, for that situation, is China is just as immoral as we are. So they're not going to last very long either. And, but, but the United States, we've dropped so far, we're making Europe look moral. That's pretty bad. Christians, we can't. We've got to be different. We can't be like the world. There's got to be a difference. If there's not a difference, what's the point? What what are we doing? Why why are we coming together? Why are we why are we worshiping? Why are we singing? Why are, why are we? If we're not going to be different, what's the point? Christ died so that you could be freed from the bondages of sin. Not so that you can embrace it and put it on a pedestal. Christ died to take those shackles off us so that we could live as free men in this country and free women in this country and in this world. Until that time that he decides to take us home. But if we're going to live just like the rest of the world, what's the point? We're just a bunch of hypocrites. We say one thing and we do something else. We've got to be different. And by the way, being different, being moral in an immoral culture, is rough sometimes. It takes strength. It takes power. But here's the great news. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he gave you a power. He gave you a comforter. He gave you the Holy Spirit. So you're not walking through all this immorality alone. You've got him with you at every moment, at every turn. 
you have the same power that created and maintained the universe inside of you, and you can harness it. You can rely upon it. You can let it be a light unto your path. You can help. It'll keep you from stumbling. It'll keep you in the word of God. It'll keep you studying if you let it. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says you're a new creature. You became a new creature for a reason because you looked and you said, this old creature ain't getting it. This isn't getting it done. I need to be a new creature. I need something different. I need something better. And we have an advocate. We have, we have one who was willing to die for us so that we could be better. Why would we go back? Why would we go back? If you're here today, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. I understand a lot of this doesn't make any sense to you. A lot of this looks like foolishness to you. I get it. The Bible says that. If you don't have the Holy Spirit to help you discern these things, this just looks dumb. I understand. You can have that Holy Spirit today. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior today. Over 2,000 years ago, he willingly went to the cross. He endured the, the torment leading up to it, the beatings leading up to it, the abuse, the embarrassment. He endured all that to go to the cross of Calvary to shed blood because he came here to seek and to save that which was lost. And only his blood could do that. Only the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God could ever do that. He did that for you over 2,000 years ago. It's still just as real and just as valid today. That shed blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary is just as powerful today. It can save your soul today. But you have to choose. John chapter 1 says he gave us the power to become the sons of God. He doesn't force it on us. He gives you the power. You have to throw the switch. You have to repent of your sins and turn to him. He's already done everything else. It's so easy. It almost seems, well, it seems too easy, doesn't it? It's so easy that man religion, man-made religions have added all kinds of stuff to it. All kinds of hoops you got to jump through, but none of that's in the Bible. We just have to believe the gospel. Turn from our sins and believe. Believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Believe that he rose again the third day. Believe that he's already paid for your sins. Will you do that today? If you've done that, will you make a pledge? You know, maybe you're sitting here saying, you know what? I've never been divorced. I have no intentions on being divorced. This doesn't apply to me. It still applies to you. Because you're still damaged because of other people's divorces. This is still relevant for you. This is relevant for you because your kids are going to go through things. And your grandkids are going to go through things. And you need to be there to lead them and guide them. You need to be that shining light in their life that tells them that there's a better way. Not to act like the rest of the world. That they, they signed a covenant with God. A covenant that he wrote with his own blood. And it needs to be taken seriously. Will you make that commitment? To be that light for your family? To be that light for your friends? To help them navigate the waters of this world? This is getting rough out there. It's getting rough.